0: Good morning. Good morning. Let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer. Amen. Bow your heads and we'll pray together. Father, we, uh, we thank you for this opportunity. Uh, we thank you that we have your word, that we can, we can read it, we can see it, we can meditate on it. Father, thank you for everything you have given us through our lives, God. The way that you, you lead us and guide us. Father, we know that our lives are a living sacrifice, that, that just living for you, in a sacrificial way, living by faith and following you—that is our living act of worship, God. Father, I pray that we can be men and women who are striving to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I pray for this service today that that uh, hearts are being lifted up and edified, God. I pray that you are you are just enjoying, in, in many ways, our, our love and praise for you, God. I pray at this time that. You allow me to be an instrument of your will, God, to, to speak what needs to be spoken and said, that, that uh, your spirit will just move in the hearts of everyone here. And we love you, we give thanks to you and praise to you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. 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 So today we are, we're going to be wrapping up our Hall of Faith series. So we've been doing this series for, I think it's been like October. When we started it, and we've been working our way through Hebrews 11 and talking about the Hall of Faith. And and we started in the Hall of Faith, I don't know if you guys remember the first time, for those of us who have been around, we had the first time where we, I talked about imagining the colonnade. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. Kind of the, the hall where there's just the pillars and you're walking down. And I always think of kind of like a, a really nice museum type thing where it's like all of these marble pillars and you're walking down and on it you have kind of people lined up on the rows and and then there's these picture frames of these great men and women of the past that you're walking through and you're kind of looking at them and seeing uh, and in my mind it's a little bit like if you've seen the Harry Potter movies, the pictures move and so you see a little bit of like what's going on there and you um, but in it you see what what their lives are, and you hear their stories. And you can't help as you walk down this hall to be in awe, right? And uh, in my first sermon, I talked about what's called Arlington Cemetery in Washington, D.C. And if you've never been there, it's it's thousands upon thousands and thousands of graves of, of soldiers, men and women who served in the American military. And when you walk through it, you can't. It's really difficult. You have to have a really hard heart to not be in awe of what you see in that place. Because you see thousands and thousands of crosses of men and women who've given their lives for a cause. Right? And our hearts were moved. And and so as you... We talked about this Hall of Faith series. We talked about the heroes of the faith. People who've gone before us. You know, great men and women... And, and only a few that we've looked at in Hebrews 11. And I'm not going to read all of Hebrews 11 again. I will read the end of it in a minute. But as we've we've looked at these things and we've talked about these things, we've talked about people who ultimately, what they did was put their faith in God. Right? People who, who died, many of them died for a cause. You know, they, they would live their lives of faith for God. And in talking about these people... This this Hebrew writer, what he's actually doing, if you've got your Bible, turn over to the book of Hebrews. This is where we're going to be today. And our, our main text is going to be in the beginning of Hebrews 12. But this writer, he's it's called the book of Hebrews because he's actually writing to Jewish Christians. Alright? And he's writing to Jewish Christians, and he's trying to convey to them Jesus Christ's greatness. Because in the Jewish culture, to be Jewish, they're very... Like, who your ancestors are are really, really important. They keep their genealogy. There are people to this day that will trace their genealogy all the way back to Aaron. So we're talking thousands of years, people who can trace their genealogy back. And, And it's still an important thing. So these people are... To say who your parents are is important. The writer to the Hebrews, he's saying, all right, these people... Of great faith in the past, these great heroes—they were amazing, but they were only people, right? And he's—he's and he's building it world. all up to to the apex of who Jesus is. But you know, in this time, we've talked about characters like Moses or Noah, right? Noah, who built the ark, who you know he, he builds this giant ship uh, that. That he takes his family in and all of these animals to survive the flood. You, we talked about Abraham. Who, when he's not a young man, he's told to leave his home, his family, the place where he's always known. And God says, hey, if you do this, I'm going to send you somewhere and I will eventually, I will bless you, but I'll, I'll make a great nation of you. And, and he ends up going and doing that. And then Moses actually gives up the life of being a member of the royal family in Egypt, right? He gives up being in like a a noble to just go live among the Hebrews. And then he ends up being a part of one of the greatest, most incredible stories in all of the Bible. And so we pick up here and and look at this. And I want to look at Hebrews 11, verse 32 first. And and these are a few of the characters and the people we've talked about, but... I preached about these, but there were so many that we didn't get to, and I did preach about some. But look in Hebrews 11. Some of these incredible men and women of the faith, starting verse 32, it says, "And what?" He says, "And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who, through faith, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised." Who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released, so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging. While still others were chained and put in prison, they were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and in holes in the ground. They were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. You know, these are some of the greatest people of faith to have ever lived mentioned here. And, and what's interesting is that they, they experienced tragedy and hardship. They went through all of these horrible things at times, some of them. And yet God says that their faith, they never got to see it, he said... Their faith is actually only made perfect when combined with our faith as well. And I find that interesting, but what I see in this is, you read this list and you see the obstacles, you see the challenges of what these people went through, and it builds them up in the scripture. But what's interesting is Noah, you think about Noah, Noah was a drunk. He had a drinking problem. You know, you look at Abraham. Abraham. He's incredibly old. He got so old at the point, he's like, God, can you really work through me? Have you ever felt like I'm too old to do something for God? That's not true. Abraham was wicked old. You know, you look at Jacob. Jacob was a liar. He was a liar. He actually said, hey, this is my sister, so that, about his wife, so that he wouldn't be killed. Like, he actually allowed someone to take his wife, Away from him for a while he's, he's giving up this lie Like this man is a great man of faith Yet he's a liar At the same time You know you see guys like Elijah Elijah was an exceptional prophet He was suicidal You read the Bible The guy had emotional issues He was suicidal You look at David David the man after God's own heart One of the most faithful Incredible men of God Slept with one of his closest friend's wives And then had that friend killed He was an adulterer and a murderer And yet we, we look at this God used this man as well You know, you look at Moses Moses, they say he was eloquent and a great speaker And eventually, like, God did incredible things through him And Moses' thing was like, please pick someone else Let anybody else go I'm not a good speaker I have a speech impediment, essentially Right? I mean, all of these people that we look at as great heroes And I'm not trying to demean them. I'm actually just trying to say, they're human beings, just like us. What separated them? What made them so great than others is they lived by faith. They lived by faith. And so when you look at this scripture, this is the crowd of people we're around. They're not these titans that are impossible to be like. No, they're human beings. And they're cheering us on. And so when you envision the hall of faith, like I'm talking about, these colonies, and you're walking through and you're seeing these people, they're men and women. And, and so I want to pick up there. Because imagine yourself in this hall, and in this verse, here in chapter 12. The writer of Hebrews gives you this picture of all of these incredible men and women who are imperfect. But he says, Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him Sorry. Sorry. Endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Right? He gives all of these things. And he's saying, all of these people finished their race, but they didn't yet get the prize, right? And, and the thing is, is to finish the race, you've got to live with faith. And so the, the title of this, this sermon is, With Faith, We'll Finish. With faith, we will finish. And, but my first point, I'm going to actually, I have three points today. Uh, second Point two is short, but it's still important. Point one, they finished, and we will too. They finished And we will too. It's with our faith that they're made perfect. And now when we look at this though, you know, we read the scripture, the writer's purpose, the writer, like God, the ultimate thing he's trying to get around to us is that I want you to live by faith. Live by faith. Don't let yourself be, just sit there. He's saying, look at these incredible men and women. The ones who've come before you. we spent months talking about them. We didn't even go through all of them. But their stories should inspire us. And the one thing that we should get out of all of this is that we've got to live by faith. Put your faith into action, though, is what it's saying. That's what, what he's calling us to. That's what this writer is trying to tell us. You know, exercise your faith. Consider what these people have gone through. What were the trials? Some of them, I mean, we didn't even talk about the Maccabees. It's the ones who they're talking about. They were sodden too. They were told, hey, eat this little piece of pork and, and we will let you go. And they're like, we won't do it. And they say, all right, well, I'll give you, I won't give you pork. I'll give you a piece of lamb. You just say that it's pork. And we'll tell the people that you ate it. And they said, No. They wouldn't they wouldn't back down. And the atrocities that happened to some of these people, a whole family of a mother watching her children be killed in front of her and refusing to deny God. I mean, I can't like can't even imagine. Like I can't I can only try to comprehend of how that would feel. And yet These people are refusing to give in to these trials and challenges. You know, people like Elijah, people around you being killed. You've got David, his son. The things that David's son did to him. If you don't know, study it out. I don't have, as it said here, the the writer said, I don't have time to tell you about all of them. But he says, they did such great things. Amazing things. The trials they went through. You know, knowing what other people face at times can make it easier. You know, if you've ever considered... You know, we, we can be more grateful when you consider other people's circumstances, right? Sometimes we, we get very into our own places where we feel like so discouraged when we're, you know, we don't have a car or we don't have something else really nice. Or we, you know, but yet we have a roof over our head and, and food to eat and, and you know we have a way to get around and then you look at you know children in like the slums in Africa you know or even in in the California you look at where they're living on top of trash heaps and they put a this is how they cook their food some of them they'll put a pole in the ground they live over a landfill they put a pole in the ground there's so much methane gas that they'll light it. The methane gas coming out will create a flame and they can cook their food inside their little slum hut from the trash heap that they live on top of. And so when we think about like our living conditions, when you, you, it's easy to be a little more grateful, right? And so when we look at the obstacles in front of us, though, understanding what other people go through is important. Who's got the, the clicker? Anybody can I borrow that? So, you know, it's um, I I, I can't help. We're in it, we're we're all we're a race is coming up that many of us are in, and the obstacles that are in it. So I thought, hey, this would be a good time. This is what's called Everest. All right, in in the tough Mudder. it's a quarter pipe, and the idea is you're on a slanted slope that, as you can see, they make it um a little slippery right there. They make it a little muddy. And the idea is, you have to run, and then run up a slippery slanted wall, and then grab a hold and get over this wall. It's an obstacle in front of you, and it's pretty. It, this is hard. When I mean, we did it last year, this is a hard obstacle. Uh, it was they don't. There's no ropes here. The one we did, they actually had to like bring out ropes so that people could get over. Um, and, and we had the, we were using it, and you know the first person to go through the obstacle was Kristen, and so Kristen runs up, and and she gave you a very unrealistic expectation for yourself because she like <laughs> runs and then grabs this and then just like, I still don't understand exactly how she did it because she was just like at the top like that, and all of us are like, I don't think any of us made it look that easy. Right. I don't think any anybody else did. I'm thinking, okay, my wife just did it. Uh, I got this. I, I when it's my turn, I finally run. I think I fell twice before I actually caught the rope uh, and and got my way up. It looked not nearly as pretty as you know my my tiny wife did it. Uh, and but to me, seeing her do it in my head made me acknowledge that I could do it. Right. You know and. In it in this obstacle different people have different challenges you know there was a there was a woman about like this lady right here who while we were waiting and there was several hundred people in line I mean our, our wall was huge and and people waiting and there was this one woman at the far end away from us but you could tell everyone was watching her I don't know those of us who were there remember it but there was one woman who was just struggling to, like, get the rope and, and get to it. And she fell. I don't think this is an exaggeration. I think she fell, like, five times. I mean, and she didn't quit, though. Like, you could just stop and then walk around the obstacle and then just sit that one. And she just kept trying. And, and what was interesting, though, is by, by one of her last attempts, she's up there. She's holding on to this thing. She gets so close... And she falls, and then the the last time, she she gets right there at the edge, and you could see, like, people kind of stopped running. like It was, like, tons of people running at a time, and then everybody slowed down. And then everybody just starts, like, cheering for You can do it! Like, just screaming, like, you've got it! Go, you can do it! Like, don't give up! Like, everybody's hundreds of people just, like, yelling for her. And we don't know her, like, she's not a part of our team, but she's just trying to get over this obstacle that we're all about to do. And everybody's just cheering, though, because we can see how hard it is for her, and she's not giving up. And when this woman finally, like, they, like, grab her leg, and they pull her up, and when she finally gets to the top, like, everybody in the crowd just started cheering. Right? Everybody's just like, yeah! Like, clapping, like... Everybody's cheering for this one person. That's what the hall of faith is like for us. We all will have obstacles in our lives, in the race we are running, our spiritual race. We're going to all have it. And yet we have, we have one another, but even in a sense, figuratively, spiritually, like we have all of the people who've gone before us, who've, who've gone up, Bigger quarter pipes than we have. Spiritually. I mean, the people, the things that they endured and went through. They've gone through greater challenges. And we can feel like ours is impossible. But when you see what they've done, it should inspire us that it is possible. Not to give up. To keep going. But you, you do need that. That's why it's important to have each other. Right? In a spiritual race. And in the event. And in all of this. You know, we... We talk about this idea, but getting over that wall and getting over our obstacles. If they finished, we will too. But to do it, you have to live by faith. And here's the thing. God will never give you anything that you can't overcome. He will never give you an obstacle that's impossible to get over with his help. And that's an important caveat. With his help. He will give you what seems like a mountain, an Everest, to get over. And He will help you achieve it. But He does expect that you will do something. He expects that you're going to stop handicapping yourself. And that's what the writer is talking about in Hebrews 1. Look at that scripture. He says, Therefore, because we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run the race marked out for us. Right? You've got the handicap. You know, point two, stop handicapping yourself. In this race, God will give us everything we need. In a Tough mutter, if you tied your hands and your feet, and then you put on a 50-pound flak jacket, you will not finish this race. Maybe if you had one of those, which would be still really hard. I can't imagine like jumping up the mountain all the way. Like it's like eleven miles, so that would be pretty horrible. But you could probably do it with one, but you couldn't do it with all three. It would be impossible to do a tough mutter with the 50, extra fifty pounds, hands and feet tied. I know a couple of you are thinking about it, but you know the reality of it is you you couldn't. You couldn't. If you think you could, I would like to see you jump off the three-meter platform into the like fifteen-foot pool, and and then get out with the extra fifty pounds in your hand and feet tied. That that at least I think you'd find a little trouble with that one. But you know, in all of this, the writer he's saying, throw off that which entangles you, the sin that entangles you, the things that hinder you. And the reality is, is we actually hang on to that stuff. We keep it around. Right? We, we like, keep the things that entangle us. We, we keep the things that hinder us and slow us down in our race. The things that, in many ways, they will keep you from finishing. They will stop you from completing your race. Right? And, and here's what the writer's saying. He's like, you gotta get it off. You gotta get it off of yourself. You can do it, but you've got to stop handicapping yourself. You know, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. But at the same time, he also said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Like... His point is, as far as I know, there weren't too many, like, one-handed Christians or one-eyed Christians back in the first century. Um, it, it, it is, he's using some hyperbole here. He's using an extreme to, to say, you have got to get rid of the things that are causing you to fall and causing you to stumble. And so I guess I'd, I'd ask us, church, what are the things in your life right now? What are the things? The materialism, greed, is it? Pornography, is it, I mean, what is it that's keeping you from getting where you need to be? We all, there's a list of things that it could be. But what's entangling you? What do you need to get rid of? There are relationships that people have to get rid of to be able to be with God. Right? I know guys who, no, 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 no. I can keep hanging out with these people, I can keep hanging out with these people, and then what happens? Sin. And some of them make it, and many of them don't. That's just the reality of it. They get drawn away from God, and they stop, because they feel like it's too hard. And that's the sin that so easily entangles. And it entangles easily, because, just to be real, it's fun. There's an element of it that seems enjoyable in the moment, but we know how much it hurts us, right? And if we would learn to live spiritually, though, and get rid of that stuff, we would actually find greater joy, greater happiness, so much more peace and fulfillment in God. It only seems, I have I, learned over years how I've had times where it's definitely felt spiritually, like spiritual life can feel boring, so to speak. That's because you're doing it wrong. A Christian who's actually living the Christian life the right way has more fun, more zeal, more joy, more excitement, more peace than anybody in the world. I don't care how much money they have or how much leisure time they have. A Christian can have more joy. doesn't mean they won't have hardship, but they can have joy. And so I I guess I, I just want to encourage us with this. Like this writer says, he says, cast off everything that entangles you. You want to do well with God? You're not, you're not going to be able to do that if you don't get the sin out of your life. Let's repent. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's repent. Let's run forward. The only way, you're going to have to free your hands and feet, take off the extra 50-pound flag jacket you're wearing, and run your race spiritually. With perseverance. Run it. Get rid of it. What do you have to get rid of? Remove it from your life. Figure it out. I can't give you all the answers. The Holy Spirit will lead you into the answers. I'm sure you can get some advice if you get discipling. But let's run the race. Amen. Let's run it, church. Amen? Amen? You know, at point three. You can run any race. This isn't the point, the title. You can run any race with the right motivation. You can keep going with the right motivation. Point three is fix your eyes on the Christ. Fix your eyes on the Christ. You know, getting to the end of the race, there's got to be a motivation, right? When we're running in the tough motor, there's, the motivation at the end for me was getting to my car with the heater and my heated seats because my muscles started to tighten up and I was walking like this. I was just like, oh, you know, it just hurt. Uh, You know, it, it was, it was just tough. But I wanted to finish it. You know, I wanted the experience of doing it with my friends. I, I wanted all of that. But what, what makes you finish this race is going to be getting to be with Jesus. Look at this scripture. In 12, verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down, at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus has to be your motivation. He says, with his for the joy set before him. Do you know what that joy was? The joy was was you. It was us, the church. His relationship with humanity. Because humanity was lost. Without Jesus, humanity is lost. Right? He He wanted to restore the relationship with mankind. Jesus wanted a relationship with you because he, he loves you, He cares for you. He wanted that. That's the joy. Now, if that seems lame or it doesn't seem like a good enough answer to you, it's because you don't understand the depth and the gravity of Jesus' love for you. I mean, that's the reality. If this seems in any way like, oh, that, that seems kind of an nah, answer, you, do, you have no idea the love of God, or even what it meant for Jesus to go through what He went through. Even just the idea of an infinitely great being. If you became an ant, it would not even be close to Jesus leaving as a divine being to become a human being. That's not even a close example. And if, if... For Him to do that, to make that change, was a huge sacrifice. But then to come to earth and endure the cross, to go through the experience of being a man, to live a perfect life, and then to be insulted, slandered, spit on, laughed at, mocked, and murdered? Because He he actually cares so deeply for you? If you don't understand that story, you've got to study your Bible. You've got to study God's Word. Find out what it really means. Because it's infinitely deep. And you've got to know this. You know, he goes through all of this. Jesus had greater obstacles than we would ever have. And he overcame them. These imperfect people in this list are heroes. Heroes of faith. They're incredible. But they were people just like us adulterers, liars, old guys, young guys, people with speech problems, right? Paul Wells old. Ah, no, you know, people with, people with speech problems, people with histories, people with emotional issues. Elijah wanted to kill himself. People with problems. They were people with problems. But they were heroes of faith. You know, with obstacles to overcome. Jesus had bigger obstacles. Greater things to overcome. He became a man and endured every obstacle we could. He was tempted in every way. You know? And I think the biggest obstacle is becoming a human being. I mean, submitting yourself to be a human being would be... That's that's the biggest obstacle, no doubt, in my mind. But we look at this, and we look at Jesus, and His love for you. His joy was you. Is your joy Him? For For the disciples in this room, for the Christians. If Jesus isn't your joy, right now, if you don't understand the gospel, you guys, you've got to read your Bibles. You've got to get to know Jesus again if you are not utterly inspired by the gospel message, by Jesus, by His love for you, by His sacrifice, if you don't get that, please study it out. Because your race is so much harder than it needs to be. Because you don't have your eyes fixed on what you're, you're really trying to get to. He provides so much strength and energy. He provides so much. You've got to make it about Jesus, church. You know, He will be more than enough motivation. Keeping your eyes on Him. Truly considering His love for you. You know, we will have so many obstacles. And in this scripture, we're, we're, we look at these people in the hall of faith. We look at Jesus. We can do great things. Sir. We can be heroes of faith. faith. No, our, our names may not be written down. They're, they're not going to be added to the Bible and immortalized that way. But you can leave an eternal impact on the world. Yeah. You can. When you live by faith. As imperfect as we are, and some of us feel pretty perfect, but amen, we're not. You know, but those of us we see who we are. God can do great things through you. Jesus will do immeasurably more through you when you allow him to than if not. This race, there'll be many obstacles. There'll be many trials, there'll be many, many mountains to get over. But make sure that you're going with the power of God. Stop hindering yourself. Others have done it before us, you can do it too. Get rid of your hindrances. Get rid of the sin in your life. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Let Him be the motivation. Run your race, church. Get over your obstacles. Join us for the Tough mutter. It would be great. But at the same time, run this spiritual race with us too. Let's make it to heaven, finish the obstacles, and find our joy complete with God. Amen.